the uh, January 16th meeting of the Route County Planning Commission. Sarah, if you'd be so kind as to take the roll. Steve Warnke. Yes. Brian Kelly. Andrew Benjamin. Here. Trevor Berkshire. Here. John Merrill. Here. Bill Norris. Here. Greg Yeager. Here. Here. Brian Marshall. Here. And Billy Yeah. Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. We should all have them in the packet. A uh, bit of housekeeping. Number one, I'd appreciate if all cell phones are silenced or off. Number two, there should have been a sign-up sheet floating about. It's out there somewhere. Good, thank you. Uh, number three, these uh, proceedings are available to the public to listen into by telephone. However, the only way that really works well is if we all use the microphones. So, members of the audience, when you are addressing or propose to address us, please use the lectern. And then, the, um, I guess that's it, yeah. First order on the agenda, public comment. Anyone wishing to address the commissioners on any topic that is not on the agenda this evening? Now would be the time to do so. We're also entertaining. This is a pitch for the master plan. Comments uh, on the master plan, should you choose to make some, now would be the time to do so. Hearing none, we'll move forward. Approval of minutes, November 7th, 2019. Any corrections, changes? I think there's probably one. Christy got to be planning director and assistant planning director. Yeah. Every single one has it in there. So either she had that unwound or something. I don't know what happened there. Chad is missing from the list. No, he's there. He's just not in Any other corrections, comments, additions, subtractions? Might there be a motion? So moved. Thank you, Andy. Second. Second bill. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed saying no. Motion carried. November 5th, December 5th, 2019 minutes. Um... Sarah, on the first motion, first page, the commissioner's name is Miss Um, You know, I saw that, and I think I corrected it on my version, but it's not, um, didn't make it in there. Okay. I'll check. Perfect. Sure. Comments, corrections, deletions, additions? Hearing none, Chair will entertain a motion. So moved. Thank you, Andy. Second. Thank you, Bill. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed saying no. Motion carries. December 19th, 2019. Mr. Chairman, on page six. Page six, says, I believe the motion carried six to one, Mr. Chair, voting no. Unless I was not chair. Um, that's what I have on page six. Oh, yeah, the chair voted yes. Oh, yeah, the chair voted yes. Actually, the acting chair that night? I think so. Okay. Sure. The chair voted yes. Well, it says. I don't, think, I don't think that's true because I think it was Are here. You here. Yeah. But you voted no. No, you voted no and, and Steve voted yes, so okay. that's correct. Very good. Okay. Well, it wouldn't be correct, would it? Yeah. Yes, the chair voted yes. 
period of five. Yeah, but, it, but if you voted no, it'd be a seven to one, or six one. You voted yes. Yes. I think Troy voted Troy no. Troy voted no. So that would so be a six correct. one. No, it is six one, and it says six one. Page six. Oh, I'm on the other one. I'm sorry. I was on page seven. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Question, Sarah. Sure. You're right. Why, why would I ever do that? Shut down. He math, too. Any other corrections or comments or clarifications or what have you? <laughs> Hearing none, the chair again will entertain a motion. So moved. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Bill. All those in favor, please signify by saying yes. Yes. Opposed, yes. say no. Motion carries. Consent agenda. Anyone wishing to move any of the three items on the consent agenda off the agenda? Hearing none, Chair will entertain a motion to approve consent agenda. So moved. Thank you, Bill. Second. Yeah. Oh. All those in favor signify by saying yes. Yes. Do we have to initial the. Uh, I think we do. I just need your signature. We'll fill in everything else. Yeah, okay, fine. Good. You're talking about the, the date? Yeah. The sunshine. The sunshine. Sunshine, yeah. Okay. Next item on the agenda King Creek Ranch. Tegan, is that you? Sure is. Perfect. You guys ready? Sorry? No, I'd like to start with that. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so tonight is the um, consideration for the recommendation to the BCC for the King Creek Ranch um, special use permit for a private recreational facility. Um, what's being considered tonight is very similar to, say, an HOA um, set of amenities that the folks out at King Creek Ranch have um, currently on site. Everything we're talking about tonight already exists. Um, they're not actually proposing anything new to add to the operation. So, so within the um, staff pack, there's many, many uses and structures being described. Specifically, there are three things in here that are they're requesting to have as permitted uses. Everything else are uses by right. So those three things are the communal lodge that's called Bison Hall, the camping area, which is in the Chester Camp section of the staff report we'll go over, and then the um, five-acre golf driving range that's in the Washburn area of the property. So I'll go into those in more detail. Um, so just a few pieces of background information about King Creek Ranch. It was established in 1980 as a working um, cow-cattle ranch. Um, it today it consists of seven equal owners, and it's been in that joint um, ownership model since the 90s. Each of the owners has a private residence on their own, individually owned 35-acre parcel. Um, that's not included in the SUP boundary that they're proposing. None of the owners occupy the ranch full time, and they maintain a current agricultural ranching operation um, on site. The ranch consists of over 5,000 contiguous acres of property. However, the permit boundary they're proposing today is just over 1,700 acres. 
Okay, so the vicinity map, this didn't show up very well, but where the my red um, laser pointer dot is, is Yampa. Here is King Creek Ranch. So you've got Taponis right there, and then McCoy would be down here. So we're in way south route. Um, in, in this map, you can see the red outline is their SUP permit boundary that they're proposing, where you can see the red laser pointers, um, that yellow you know, line along the perimeter of the west boundary. That is Highway 131. Okay, so the first area we'll talk about um, within their SUP permit boundary that they're proposing is called the Ranch Center. Um, we've got an aerial of it on the screen as well as on that um, big outline of the SUP boundary that they're proposing. We've got the bright green dot, or bright green X rather, that shows the location of the Ranch Center within the entire 1700 acres. Um, and that area has a whole bunch of structures. Many of them are agricultural. Um, they have a main barn. They have a riding arena. They've got um, some storage for the owners there, as well as the Bison Hall, which is a communal lodge that all the owners share um, privileges to use when they're there. They've got overnight accommodations for their private guests within that lodge as well. And we've got a couple pictures up on the screen that also include an interior photo of their dining area in there. Okay. Um, the next area that they've got out there um, that's kind of an activity area for them is the washroom <coughs> area. Again, on the screen, we've got an aerial of that area, and then we also have um, the X indicating where in that permit boundary exists. And in the washroom area, they've got um, shooting range, like trap shooting range area. They've got the roughly five-acre driving range um, for golf practice, as well as a cabin um, in that area that is typically for day use for people that are out there enjoying those activities in the Washburn area that need to use a bathroom um, or want to get out, you know, in from the elements. Okay, and then the last activity area within the SUP boundary they're proposing is Chester Camp, and Chester Camp consists of a number of structures, again, um, which are small one-room cabins that have no bathroom. They've also got a bathhouse, they've got a generator house, and they have a kitchen dining pavilion, um, as well as some platforms that they put wall tents up. Uh, all those areas, are, the Washburn area rather than the Chester Camp area are used very seasonally, and this is during the summer um, and a little bit into the fall, but all of these areas are winterized the remainder of the year. So their typical usage on the ranch in general for any of these amenities that the owners have access to, um, that usage really mostly falls between Memorial Day and Labor Day. So the vast majority of the year, there's not a lot of usage. And there's some fall um, hunting that occurs by the owners. Uh, however, members of the public are not welcome to hunt out there. There's not any um, you know, pay-to-play pay system. You can't pay to go hunt out there. It's only owners and their private guests. 
Uh, again, the Chester Camp and the Washburn area are both winterized in the fall. Um, and then there's year-round agricultural activities out there. And again, those are used by right on these parcels. Um, and just to reiterate, there's no public access out there. There's no public accommodations. You can't go on Airbnb and rent out, um, you know, one of their cabins or camping area. This is solely for the use of those seven owners, their families, and their private guests um, that are only vacation homes. So, I will let Brian make some comments unless you guys have questions off the bat. Commissioners, questions for staff? About that aerial in Washburn? Yeah. That one. Wasn't there one before the shooting? Is there one prior to that? Yeah. Good. This is the Washburn aerial. On, on the one on the left, where's the shooting range? On the one on the left. It is right around the pond area. And then this darker, you know, brighter green color, this is their um, golf driving range. And then up here is the cabin. Or, oh, rather, up here, down here is the cabin. And there's a couple of, um, like, old grandfathered agricultural structures that are kind of littered about that area um, that you can kind of see in that area as well. Good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the question. Okay. Uh, Employee housing kind of talked about it in a staff mm -hmm. packet. Um, is that being proposed, and if so, would that have to be part of their SUV? So with the ranch employee housing, there's a number of ways that they can deal with that. They can sign a large lot agreement um, because they have the acreage in order to do so. Uh, they could, if they wanted to, deed off 35 acres and have those scanned individual parcels because they're agricultural employees that aren't necessarily always living there or they're, they're not part of the common amenities okay. um they're really part of the agricultural operation which is used by right it doesn't have to be in this sup i mean it can be but it's not necessary it's not the only way to figure out that situation okay petitioner Okay, let me put yours up and give you this. So this is the click back and forth. And then there's a laser pointer with the little red. Great. Uh, first off, thank you uh, for allowing me to speak on behalf of King Creek Ranch and the permit. Um, I, Tegan did a great job, so a lot of what I had planned to say, she covered, so I'll try to fill in any gaps and, and continue from there. First off, um, a little bit, though. Um, excuse me, could we have your name, please? Yeah, I was just going to say, who okay. am I and, and why am I up here? Sorry. So I, I'm Brian Ripley. I was the manager of King Creek for 12 years. So from 2004 to 2016, I managed the ranch. Um, I've since moved into town. I do some ranch property consulting, and then I'm a licensed real estate broker in town as well. And so the ranch has employed me as a consultant to work on their behalf on this um, based on my you know, prior knowledge and, and current work. So that's a little you know, 
why I'm the guy up here. Um, joining me, I should say, though, in, in support, um, Todd Morgan's the, the head maintenance manager at the ranch. He's currently employed there. He's been there for 20 years, so a lot longer than I. He, he was there before I arrived, and he's still there, um, and, and his wife, Karen. So just to point out that they're here in support and who they are. Um, as Stephen pointed out, it's in the far south um, portion of the county. When I lived there, I'd always say, well, I live in South Route, and people would go, oh, you live in Oak Creek, and I no, like, so I kind of coined the term, like, I live in South South Route. Um, so it is between Taponis and, and McCoy, in an area, right, that's very rural, large ranches, and frankly, a lot of public land between Forest Service and BLM in that region. So, um, you know, not a populated area at all, but very beautiful. Background, again, to expand on what Tegan shared with you. Um, it did start to form in the 80s, and there were always a, a few partners involved. Um, really started from an, an ag agricultural point of view and hunting, um, cattle enterprise, and so on. And then as those individuals started to piece together the land and really try to make it contiguous. They were doing some land swaps with neighbors and so on. Once that all took place, they formed what is King Creek Ranch LLC. Um, it's an LLC at Wyoming started, or they formed that in 1992. Um, but from that point on, their emphasis was on being exclusive and private in this vast area, right? It's vast in terms of its location and its size and scope. But it's, it's exclusive in nature. It was never designed to be, A, open to the public, or B, open to um, anyone that wanted in. It's, it's been at seven partners for years with no intention of expanding beyond seven partners. Um, in fact, most of the acreage is under conservation easement with Colorado Open Lands, um, which to, won't allow any further development. Um, and again, to, to reemphasize, it's, it's never been commercial from the recreational side, of course, um, from cattle and, and hay production, yes, but not anything related to any sort of recreational. It's, it's the owners own it for their getaway, for their use, and so on. Um, again, it's in scope, it's over 5,000 acres. It's really 5,300 acres in terms of what is managed. Um, some of that acreage, as Tegan described, is owned individually by those seven owners in their 35-acre parcel and so on. So really, five, just over 5,000 acres are held jointly in that LLC. Uh, one thing I want to point out about that and when we talk about the use is what, what differs, you know, we're familiar with Marabou, Alpine Mountain Ranch, some of the other shared amenity type places close to Steamboat. But right there, say 1,200 to 2,000 acre properties broken up into 30 or more home sites, people own there, and then they get the privilege to use some common amenities. Here, every owner owns a seven, so they have a full stake in and ownership in all the infrastructure, all the water rights, all the land, like their owners um, through and through. 
and and that's certainly how they see themselves. They're they're stakeholders in everything and decision makers in everything. Um, as she pointed out, uh, it's it's very seasonal. Primary use Memorial Day to Labor Day for sure. Um, hunting is um, good on the ranch, so through the through the rifle seasons primarily. Uh, we, we see use, there's limited winter use, even while I was there in the 12 years, um, we, you know, we would help with some snowmobile trips, things like that, but they're pretty rare, and frankly, in recent years, they have taken none, and some of that's just due to what's been going on with snowfall, especially in South Route. Uh, it's, the climate's quite different than Steamboat itself and, and North Route, so um, they haven't even been running um, snowmobiles, so very limited uh, winter use, and then almost nobody arrives there, because again, it's a second home and a vacation spot for, for most of those partners, so they, they uh, have no mud season use um, at all. Um, again, to reiterate what uh, was described, uh, on this map you can kind of see how overall King Creek sits with, uh, in conjunction with public land, um, and then that permitted area um, in between, which would pretty much contain all the recreational components in that um, permitted area. Uh, Tegan described kind of the, the way we broke out the application to try to help describe everything to you with the ranch center being uh, horse barns and, and that bison hall, our, our lodge there, and then the Washburn area, and then Chester Camp being kind of that glamping um, uh, type of location. Uh, I'm free to ask questions at the end, but since she described it, I'll just kind of keep, keep moving and allow for maybe questions at the end. So the other thing to emphasize is, you know, King Creek definitely, they're coming for everything that exists already. So it's been in existence, but there's a desire to comply by the ownership um, with obtaining this application. And the current standards in most cases, I mean, exceed what's proposed in that application. There's things within there about you can't leave, like, run down cars parked out, you know, thinking, I kind of chuckled at some of that, just having been the manager and would have been fired on the spot for some of those things. So um, it, it's, it's high standards. Again, they're conservation-minded and um, with a desire to comply. No new use is, is uh, being requested, and no expansion, and certainly no commercial activity. So um, with that, I'm kind of... I'll open it to, to questions and see if I can fill in any gaps for you guys. So, but Brian, you've gone through the conditions and everybody's happy with them? Yes. No problem. Yes. What's, what's triggered the desire to comply at this point? So, uh, in, all, in all honesty, for, uh, even while I was manager, I'll be really honest, I was focused on, you know, water and keeping fences up and all these things. Because it was never commercial and, and so on, didn't even really understand that we needed the special use permit being private and not commercial. Um, 
they the ranch tried to obtain a building permit to that Washburn cabin, the old cabin that's by the shooting range. Um, they want to just replace that existing cabin in its spot to uh, renovate it and upgrade it. They applied for a building permit and basically the ranch was flagged. And so in further inquiry and then conversations with Chad kind of learned um, that the ranch needed this application, needed the permit, and, and walked through that. Um, they they could feel you better on how we got to that point because I wasn't directly involved, but I, I believe a, a neighbor um, contacted the, the county to get that process started, I guess. I don't know if you want to share any of that chat or how that goes. Yeah, not for a more detail. Pardon? Is that more, de you want more detail or is that good? No, I was, I was just wondering, I mean, it seems like most, most of the time when we look at things like this, people are proposing to do something. Right. Um, this looks like we've done this forever, we're going to keep doing it, and so... There was no formal complaint ever why? submitted, but there was an inquiry at one point about the property, um, and I think that's what brought up some questions. Uh, however, on that note, there are a number of structures that were put up on permitted. Um, they didn't receive a building permit. So in the suggested conditions of approval, we have some language um, about obtaining building permits and uh, on-site wastewater system permits, which they're going to need to do no matter what, um, just to be in compliance with both the Route County Building Department and the Environmental Health Department. <coughs> The fact that you had no items for discussion causes me to conclude that this is as much a house cleaning effort as any housekeeping, I should say. Um, in some ways, yeah. I mean, yeah. On, the, on the, I guess, more technical side, yeah, right. to make sure that it's up to environmental health and building code on our end. Um, you know, as you can see in the staff report, the existing conditions, if they were proposed, you know, in, in our opinion, really wouldn't lead to any. Right. Okay. So, and, and as Tegan pointed out, a number of the uses there are uses by right anyway. Mm -hmm. So, John, how is the catch-up with building permits needed for existing structures? How's that going? Um, there has been little movement, and part of the reason for that is because, specifically in that um, Chester Camp area that is where the vast majority of those unpermitted structures have been added. If this SUP were to not be approved, they would need to convert those into something that um, would be a use by right. So some sort of agricultural structure, some sort of residential structure. So I think the apprehension to apply for those building permits is waiting to see whether or not they'll have this approved. Um, versus spending money on engineering to get those permitted, spending money on the building permits, and then potentially having this denied. So, but the, the applicant's been aware of that. This is what's caused some of the tabling of this um, item, is that when the letter came from the building department, there was a lot of things that needed to be unpacked with the applicant and explained and make sure everybody was on the same page of some of that. Um, catching up on building permits, and it added some time onto it just to make sure everybody fully understood what that was all going to take. So, 
But I might add, if you know, the like the lodge, Bison Hall Lodge, it's fully permitted. Yeah. It's not included in like what is of concern. <coughs> that cabin was originally mm -hmm. permitted, and they requested a new permit to upgrade it. So, like yeah. the major structures. So, so the list of things involved, like that camp, which involved originally some tent platforms and then kind of evolved from there and then some other agricultural structures and so on. So I just want to say mm -hmm. in terms of what, what the list is and what we're looking at and what we're evaluating, it doesn't involve like the true major structures in terms of the lodge and that, that bigger yeah. cabin and so on. So. Yeah. I saw the pictures of the bare platforms where the the temporary tents go. Mm -hmm. What I'm curious, where the four one room cabins, uh, where do they go when they're, as it says in the petition, seasonally removed? So they're currently not seasonally removed. They're, that whole area is seasonally shut down for the winter, so they're not seasonally removed. So there are ten ten platforms. Originally, all 10 had wall tents, like you saw. And then as some of those wall tents failed, they put that a cabin structure that's simply a little bunk room um, on those existing platforms. Um, but the, that whole area uh, is basically winterized around Labor Day shut down, and like you couldn't even drive there. You know the roads aren't maintained or anything like that. So they're really not seasonally removed; they're just removed from use. Currently, yes, correct. However, with conversations with the building department, they indicated that they will need to be temporary. So there will have to be some movement of them. Off of their, <laughs> which they're on a on a deck. Patient, yeah. yeah, they're on a yeah. deck structure. So if we skid them away, or yeah, um, I mean, these are all the things we'd work with the building department with. But um, yeah, so in conversations with the building department, they had indicated that it's camping. These are temporary, but that means that they have to be each season need to be moved. No specification on exactly where or how far, but they need to be moved from their current location and then can be moved back <coughs> seasonally. So, obviously, that this is the best workaround we've been able to find. Um, because for this year, for I mean, every year, and it sounds like out of the ranch, there's equipment and there's the ability to move these. They were built in a manner in which they can be moved. Um, so in well, there's nothing's on a permanent foundation up yeah. there at all. Everything's on deck. In that, yeah, in that Chester Camp area, everything was built on piers. Um, so instead of limiting disturbance area, we want to have the disturbance area be <laughs> shuffled around. Unfortunately, with working with the building department, um, they cannot permit an overnight structure that does not have a bathroom in it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so either a bathroom needed to be added to these or they needed to be temporary and then moved. Um, How many square feet are those? Though they're... 120 or less. 150. 
they're they're like barely more than 120. Um, but this was the the best workaround we could find. Um, so it's considered a camping accommodation. It doesn't receive a building permit, um, but then it needs to be temporary. But this would be the topic of condition 16. Right. Oh, sorry. It's really the topic. That's the topic of condition sixteen. Um, no. So the condition sixteen was in lieu of um, having some sort of bonding requirement uh, because the typically in something like this, if we have non-conforming structures, we would require bonding. Well, these structures already exist, mm -hmm. and. The ease of removal for a lot of these is really high, um, as well as the ability to repurpose a lot of these structures into conforming structures is is something that is more likely um, that any of these structures that are being permitted, such as Bison Hall, we're not going to require bonding for removal because that could be very easily converted into a single-family home. Right. That's essentially what it is. A really, you know, a single family home with a really large dining area um, that could very easily be converted. So, something like that would not require bonding for removal. So, condition 16 was in lieu of a bonding requirement. Okay. This kind of adds up if the permit goes away that these structures have to be permit subsidized. Right. Yeah. Well, then that's, and then that's your condition 20 as well. Right. Think. Condition twenty is yeah, just needing to be all structure and yep. Right. Yep. And that um, deadline was set by the building department. The petitioner live with that deadline? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Questions, John? You're not done yet. Well, no, I can wait until we get to discussion. There aren't really questions for yeah staff or Mr. Rip. Okay. Bill. One for Brian. Uh, a couple slides of the overall picture of the whole property. Could you laser point out, just curious, um, where the um, conservation easements are set as compared to where? Yeah. Um, so is this one okay or do you want me to pull up an um, image? Can you go to my yeah. slideshow and I'll, it might be a hair easier. Mm -hmm. That's going to let me escape. And if I may, really quick, on your last point, when you asked about the dates mm -hmm. with the building permit, um, or excuse me, the building department, building um, right, we started this process, and this meeting, for example, we, we've delayed a couple times and so on. Right. Originally, when um, in the late fall, those dates seemed reasonable. Here we are already in the first of the year, so that may be something we would need to revisit. But I will say my conversations with the building department, um, they want to see some action and some steps, and then there's some flexibility. But um, we'd certainly request more time. If we yeah, I just don't want you to get crossways because of a special use condition. Right. I mean, you could always add that, you know, Whatever extension you feel is appropriate can be approved administratively without those. Perfect. Yeah. Okay, so um, 
All of this permit area in red is conserved under Colorado open lands. There, there's a line right here. That this little chunk that would be consistent with um, kind of the that main area of the ranch with the lodge and the horse barn, that is not under easement. But all of this southern portion is an easement. So um, basically, this northern property right here was purchased after 1998 to Colorado Open That that everything went into easement. At 98, this portion was purchased after that, so it's not um, all of this. And then everything to the south is in easement with the exception of just a little bit of the, the center section. Thank you. And I'll just mention that um, Colorado Open Lands uh, does annual monitoring on site. They go to a yep. visit, um, as well as they responded to a referral request indicating that they had no concerns with the proposal. Question. Trey. Brian, the uh, trap and skeet range, mm -hmm. does it, does it, is it outfall over that pond? They all fall. They're directed exactly over that pond. And then there's biodegradable clay pigeons. And that was my question. Yeah. Are, are they using anything as shot on this place at the skeet range or the trap range that is not either biodegradable or non-lead or? Not to my knowledge. I mean, um, waterfowl loads and biodegradable <coughs> clay pigeons. But, um, I mean, while we were there, I, they bought a semi-load of the biodegradable Clay pigeons, so I know they've got plenty of those. So. But, but not so much the pigeon. Yeah, and steel, steel shot, like That's the, right, the waterfowl, waterfowl loads the steel shot. So they're not using anything on here other than steel shot? No. Right? That's all we buy. Okay. We buy it all from the partners. I can't hear you. Uh, he, he said um, the ranch, the LLC, purchases both those clay pigeons and all the shot and that way, anybody, any owner that shows up, they're not bringing who knows what. They're using what's on site, which is purchased and ready for them. And that's how we know they're using the, the waterfowl, the, the steel loads, and uh, what, huh. and yeah, and those clay pigeons. But that's my, yeah, that's my issue. So. Other questions? I'd like to open it up for the public for any comments they wish they may wish to make. Seeing none, I'm going to close the public portion. Um, yes, correct. Isn't there uh, a minimum square footage that underneath a minimum square footage you don't have to have a building permit? 120, but that does not include dwelling units. And these are considered a dwelling unit. Yes, get somebody sleeping in it. However, they're considered camping. That's where things get camping. Yeah, that's so. The way that the staff report is drafted is basically they just need to comply with the building department standards. Well, and then second, on piggybacking, I thought that if the county discovered a building that was built without a permit, the, the building department charged a double fee or some sort of a they penalty? They can't. It's up to the chief. 
So is it reasonable or within our purview to make a recommendation as to whether they should or should not enforce their penalty? Um, you know, and, and I don't know what his criteria is for, for waiving that. It might be interesting to review, but, you know. But I this goes to the board. Mm -hmm. CP. No, I see. I see. Yes, yeah, so we're ready. Right. Right. Okay. Would you expand on your intention? Well, I, I, I guess I'm struggling with penalizing a what's what uh, by all accounts and measures and information we have is a fairly environmentally sensitive ranch owner owners and they're they've come in uh, of their own volition on their own volition to try and comply with the county desires here and, and so I, I feel it's a little bit different than where a complaint is made and the county has to step in and then start enforcing uh, conditions or, or obtaining a permit and in that scenario I see maybe the uh, enactment or the penalty perhaps more valid and so if I had a the condition, I would, I would encourage the board to uh, see if they could uh, waive any penalty fees for the building permits required. Um, certainly, if they need to collect whatever they need to collect for that structure and building, I'm okay with that. But double fees or fines or whatever the proper terminology is, I'm not really keen on. My sense is you probably don't have the ability to call that shot. However, I think you do have the ability to at least make a recommendation, make a recommendation and or voice your opinion. Well, and I think your opinion is well-founded. And I think the minutes could reflect <coughs> if the board shares Troy's position, which based on the nods of heads would appear that the board supports your position and now it's in the minutes. I think it's all a recommendation anyway, yeah. so I don't have a problem with putting it as a condition of recommendation. It's kind of out of our purview. But I think you've accomplished it. I think you can recommend whatever you want to recommend, whether the board cares or not. That's up to them. We don't have any oversight of the planning department, correct? Building department. Building department, sorry. Making a recommendation. Yeah, no, it's fine. I think the fact that the minutes are reflecting that appropriate. It's fine. Any other questions for staff and or the petitioner? Steve, I just as long as we're going to make a recommendation, uh, doesn't it make sense to also recommend to the building department that these kind of structures not need to be moved? <laughs> Just a recommendation from Planning Commission, if others agree, it just seems silly to me. To me, I think that would be hard to, I mean, if that's in their code, yeah. you know, they're not just coming up with this or anything. No, like but that. their code so can be modified. So, 
Right? So am I wrong about this? At this point, because they will be removable, they don't get permitted. It's essentially like a tent or a camper. Um, there is no building permit. The electrical hookup that exists, they'll have to pull a utility permit for. Um, however, in order to permit that structure, what the chief building official had explained to us is that permitting a structure that doesn't have a bathroom in it would fall under a commercial code. Then there would have to be ADA compliance with all the structures out there, and it just opened a whole additional can of worms. Um, you know, like fire mitigation type stuff, and it just, it was not necessarily a route that the applicant was interested in going down. Um, so this was the best possible solution. I mean, ultimately, if I may, in my conversations with the building department, the issue is there's not a code that yeah. exists for what type of structure that is. And so just trying to fit what code is closest and, and then we're trying to figure out how to comply. So my recommendation is to create a code if it's possible. <laughs> that would fit that criteria so that... But under the existing code, I mean, that may help in the future, but not right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. so, so the best thing we could come up with was if it's movable, they don't need a code. Yeah, and I'm not challenging what you've done. I'm just saying if it's possible in the future to change the code, it would seem to me like a logical thing that they could put on their list of things to consider. We'll forward your comment to, yeah. to Todd Carr. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's, not just, it's not just <laughs> making recommendations that the building department may or may not take. If we approve this on the current petition, I mean, there are a number of things that will be outside of our follow-up capability uh, that are just pretty sketchy now. Uh, specific condition 15C Roman numeral 4 was the question I asked a, a bit a time ago about the four one-room cabins that will be removed. Well, that apparently is not the plan. They may be removable, but it doesn't sound like it's going to happen. Number 16 under special condition is rather stringent, but we won't have follow-up to find out which of those three things happens. And finally, the number 20 with the pretty impossible, if I was to guess, and it sounds like Brian's coming to that conclusion as well, uh, the having it all done by July 1st, not going to happen. But if I if I may on the July first, the building department, um, when I asked for some clarification on that, it wasn't that everything would be completed by July first, so that any applications and such would be submitted by July first. Yeah. So the the process there would be a process after that point. They just wanted to see. Um, applications and such submitted by July 1st. That's proper permitting is the building permit has been obtained, not necessarily the work has been completed. Correct. Well, my point is that the fulfillment of our special conditions is not going to be monitored by us. It, it's going to be monitored by the building department. Right, but it's a condition of approval so that we'll be following up on ourselves. Yeah. If I may, George, I'm the attorney for the applicant. Uh, Mr. Merrill, I would say with those conditions, non-compliance would fall into a um, 
enforcement action with, with the county, whether that's planning or building. But you guys don't come back with enforcement actions. You come with applications. So it, I would think it'd be unusual for us to come back in July and show you all this. No, but it would be under your uh, follow-up. Yes, with the county staff. Uh, John, it also was suggested that a line be added to 20, which was extensions to this condition may be granted administratively. So were you concluded there, John? Mm -hmm. Have you concluded? I'm trying yeah. to hear. Okay. <coughs> Any other comments or questions? Well, on specific condition 15, Roman numeral 4, we changed remove to removable. That <laughs> solves the problem. I think there's some confusion floating around here. Well, based upon the information provided by the building department, it needs to be removed seasonally. So it must be Then removed. it has to say removed seasonally? Yes. So you'd have to add something. It just says, that's kind of to John's it could point. Be, it I just mean, says removed. So based upon the feedback, the, the referral information that they provided in the conversations that we had with them, it needs to be removed every six months from its location. Where it is moved to is not specified by the building department. Um, however, it's a six month time frame that it could be sitting on there. Because they're only operating that site typically for you know three, four months, it would be put there in the spring, put on its stand in the spring, removed in the fall. You say it needs to be moved seasonally? <laughs> may, may, I, may I make a, a recommendation or request that uh, it, it might make sense to roll that condition into the building permitting uh, sort of action because through our work with the building department, once this is approved, if it is approved, uh, that, that might change a little bit in terms of what the, the use. I mean, it might... Maybe we can figure out something with the building department with 120 square feet or something to that effect. Um, I think that's a pretty specific um, condition. That could be incorrect, but less than 120 square feet on a non-permanent foundation, regardless of use, is considered a shed. And it doesn't have to be permanent. Anything that has a dwelling, any anybody who's staying in a place, the building department considers that as a dwelling. Unless unless it's camping structure, that's where we're headed. Yeah. So yeah. maybe just I mean kind of along George's lines there that farm under cabins that will comply with building department standards. That way it leaves it open that to will. modifications in the future. Cool. And if there is no standard because it's movable, then great. As well. I like that. Yeah, Comply I with building department standards. I, I was just saying we're looking forward to working with the building department with all these uh, irregularities. <laughs> yeah, and don't misunderstand. I think the effort here is to try to make life easy for everybody or easier. Never easy, but. 
comments? Any additional comments or questions? I've had the pleasure of working on the ranch a couple of times, working with Brian. Uh, it's a top-notch operation. Um, anything I think we can do to help accommodate this coming into compliance will be well served. So just as a matter of review, then, at this point in time, I think I've noted two adjustments to the condition, specific mm -hmm. conditions. One would be under 15C, Roman numeral 4, scratch be removed at the end of the sentence and insert comply with building department standards. Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. And then the second change, at least I've noticed or noted, condition 20, add the sentence extensions to this condition may be granted administratively. I'll put a time frame on there. No. Okay. And then on 21, there's a typo. So it should say any special events may be approved through an amendment instead of thought amendment. Sorry. Okay. I spelled the word right, just the wrong one. Any other discussion and or comments? You want a condition about the the uh, the loads and the uh, discs? <coughs> oh, it's a wildlife issue. That's all. That's my only point. And I don't care. I don't feel strongly. I think. Well, I was wondering. If based upon testimony, that's all I use anyway. Yeah. I'm not a real proponent of adding all kinds of conditions, if you don't mind. Thank you. And are you comfortable with the, the discussion and the consensus of the commissioners about the building department waiving punitive penalties and or whatever? <laughs> Is that a yes or no? Well... I don't want to sit here and argue with the planning commission about it. I, I, if the planning commission doesn't want to uh, forward that on, then we won't. Well, I think by if it's in the minutes, it's being forwarded whether we like well, it or not. And staff can present it. <coughs> Absolutely, and we'll discuss with Todd Carr. Mm -hmm. So the, all these tactics. I can put a criteria when you put staff discusses it. And Mr. Bookshire, I take his I take his word. There's been no indication to us from the building department that they would be seeking any uh, punitive damages. We certainly appreciate your comments, and I imagine the, the county commissioners will take the message in full. I'm sure they will. Okay. With that being said, might there be a motion forthcoming? I'll make a motion to approve special use permit PL19184. Do I need to repeat the modifications to the? No, I got it. Okay, so with findings of fact one and conditions one through 14 and 15 through 21 as amended. I will second that. Thank you, Mr. Norris. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, say no. Chair votes yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Well, thank, thank you. Everybody. Thank you very much. <coughs>
Next item on the agenda, Carmelette e. Milner, number two, gravel pit, special use permit. Thank you. Alan, this occurs to me you are in charge. Yes, sir. while you're in there. Also, a letter that we got from CCW earlier this week about this application. This is the renewal of a special use permit for the Camaletti Milner Number Two gravel pit that's operated by Precision Excavating. They are requesting for the permit to be extended an additional ten years and an amendment of existing condition number seventeen. So the pit is located on 179 south of Milner. It is south of the Yamper River. The original pit was permitted in 2001, and it is on the east side of Trout Creek. And that area is permitted for 42.35 acres and currently 23.95 acres if that is disturbed. And during the review for this pit, visual impacts and the impacts to riparian vegetation was a big concern. And due to that, multiple conditions of approval uh, addressing vegetation and visual impacts were included in the permit. And that some of those included the limits of the location of pit disturbance based on its proximity to vegetation surrounding the pit, a health monitoring plan for vegetation around the pit, a detailed irrigation plan, and then a 50-foot buffer from the wetlands outside of the pit. 
Then in 2009, there was an expansion of the pit that went to the west side of Trout Creek, right in that area. That expansion was for 76 acres. Currently, there is 19 and a half acres disturbed. And since 2009, the planning department does not have any complaints on file for this pit. So here is an aerial photograph of the pit that was taken in September of 2019. So this is the original pit. Chop Creek runs right through here to join up with the Yampa River. There's a portion of it right there and then right here. And then the expansion area on the west side of Trout Creek is that area. So here's 179, the bridge, 179 bridge over the Yampa River and the entrance to the pit right here. So we've got the scale, the scale house in that area. There is a YVA overhead power line that runs directly through the pit in this approximate location right there. And then in this area right here is the crusher, the washer, screens for to create the various gravel products and then stockpiles in this area and this area as well. Right here is the sediment pond that the water from the crusher and the washer and then any water that falls within the pit is pumped into to allow for the sediment to settle out. And then once the sediment has settled out, it gets pumped into this pit and then the water from this pit is either pumped into Trout Creek and they do have a discharge permit from the state to discharge into Trout Creek. And then there's also an irrigation system that uh, waters the vegetation on the north side of the pit. Uh, so as part of the original, permitting the original pit, there were groundwater cutoff walls that were required to be constructed. And what that is intended to do is to keep water on from flowing into the, the hole that is created when the gravel is extracted. And there's a groundwater cutoff wall constructed in this area right here, and then from the pit entrance south and around the east side of the pit right here. And again, that is to keep water from flowing from outside the, the pit into, into the pit. And so the, we'll get to condition number 17, but condition number 17 is meant to address this stand of cottonwoods and the willows that are in that area as well. So I know it might be a little hard to see, but condition number 17 uh, requires the monitoring of groundwater wells that were that were installed to uh, to check the level of groundwater in the area. And these blue dots that are right here and in this area are those ground monitoring groundwater monitoring wells. 
And so condition number 17 only applies to the original pit area. So that's this area that is on the east side of Trout Creek. So no regulations or policies have changed since the last review of this pit took place in 2009. So staff's review is limited to those that the amendment to condition number 17 addresses. So this is the existing language of condition number 17. It requires a minimum 100 foot setback from the cottonwoods and willows that are outside of the mine boundary. It requires bi-weekly monitoring of those wells and submission of that data on a monthly basis. It requires that the, the groundwater level be maintained at historic levels. Excuse me. And that if there is a 12 to, eight, 12 to 18 inch drop in groundwater level, that corrective action has to be taken. And if there is more than an 18 inch drop, that within seven days, dewatering of the pit has to take place. Or it says dewatering has to cease as soon as practical or within seven days, whichever is sooner. So going back to this aerial, so the, the overhead power line runs approximately straight down the middle of the original pit, except for this area where the groundwater or the, the cutoff wall is constructed, none of this area has been mined. And there is no plan to mine this area in the near future. The current, the current mining is taking place on the west side of Trout Creek in, in this area right here. And so the applicant is requesting relief from the bi-weekly monitoring and the monthly submission of that data. Western Bionomics has been doing the the monitoring of these wells and the a health assessment of the surrounding vegetation and the and has submitted that data and that data has shown that there has not been a drop of 18 inches in in those monitoring wells and Western Bionomics has also stated that all of the vegetation appears to be healthy and they support the relaxation of that condition. Due to the timing of this application, staff was not able to independently verify any of that because everything is dormant, there's no leaves on the trees, but there is a condition of approval that requires a, a thorough site inspection in the summertime when, uh, when that vegetation can be assessed. And so the... There was a letter that was just provided to you from CPW and they have looked at the data and they uh, concurred that a relaxation of, the, of that condition can take place as long as certain conditions stay in there and those are the 100 foot setback from the cottonwoods and willows, uh, maintaining the groundwater levels at seasonal baseline, 
taking corrective actions when the monitoring wells show a decrease of 12 to 18 inches, and then ceasing dewatering if there's a drop in 18 inches or more. And so this is the language that is suggested in the, in the staff packet. So the only thing that staff is suggesting be removed from this condition is the language requiring biweekly monitoring and the submission of that data on a monthly basis. However, when that area is proposed to be mined, that those requirements would kick in and uh, a proposed condition requires that the permittee notify the planning department of when they intend to start mining in that area so that, uh, so that we are aware and can start expecting those monitoring reports. And so just a few closing comments. Uh, this area of the Yampa River was mapped by FEMA for their floodplain areas in 2005. In 2009, when the expansion took place, floodplains were left off of the items that were reviewed. So no floodplain development permit was obtained at that point. So one needs to be obtained just for the expansion area because the original pit was permitted prior to this area being mapped. Uh, a new weed management plan it needs to be submitted and approved by the weed department. And then the Division of Reclamation, Mining, and Safety is the state agency that addresses mines. The last time they were at the pit was in 2016. They do plan on being out there again this summer. But during that 2016 inspection, they did not identify any issues with the pit. And then just a clerical item, the conditions of approval have been modified and rearranged to reflect consistency and wording between other gravel pit special use permits to provide clarity to the existing conditions of approval and to group similar conditions together. And that's all I have for now. So former seventeen is no current Uh I believe so. So the groundwater cutoff yes. wall is nothing more than a clay barrier trenched in? Uh basically, yeah. That'll work. And this the pit expansion I'm confused. Didn't I not hear you say that there, yeah, there was no mining contemplated in the brown area? No, there's no mining has occurred in this area right here. But but that doesn't mean there won't be. That it gets back to I, I misunderstood. I misunderstood. Okay. Why don't we hear from the petitioner? Good evening. I'm David Zayner. I own Precision Excavating in Hayden. Uh, we've we've uh, been running this operation since 2001. Um, I think I think Alan explained 
very well exactly what, what we're doing. What I might add is the, the expanded area, which is the area to the southwest, would, all of our resources and our access to the to the roads and, and the highway are through the the original SUP. So it makes sense to leave the the original SUP area for you know equipment, staging, roadway, and access to the to the highway system, and go ahead and mine the back area that's the hardest to get to. Um, because it's a you know it's 70 80 acres back there, so that's the reason that the the area on the on the south side of the Yamper right there we're, we're just kind of leaving that alone and it's it's kind of a natural in-state area now. I mean in its natural environment, uh, we're not mining next to it, and it'll be a you know quite a time before we do based on the on the resource that's that's on the other side of Trout Creek. So that's kind of what's going on with that area. Um, uh, I think in the, in the package, you know, the uh, description that we that we wrote up, it pretty well explains what's what's been going on in the area. Uh, we're regulated by not only the county's SUP but the the state vision of mining safety and reclamation. And then we're also uh, regulated by MSHA, so uh, they inspect our pit usually twice yearly. Um, so there's a lot of inspections and a lot of oversight and a, and a lot of things that, that we work pretty hard to try to stay in compliance with. Um, I guess I, I think that's a pretty good overview. The settling ponds actually gravity flow, they're not pumped. And then we test those bi-weekly every two weeks and we send our samples to Fort Collins and then that's reported to CDPHE. And uh, so all that is sampled and on a monitoring program that's, that's fairly tight as far as any sediments or what have you. And those discharge points are are permitted. Uh, so, but it, but it is set up on a gravity system, so that it's pumped out of the lowest pit, and and we pump <coughs> 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. And but then we've got it set up to where we've got a, a tier two tiered settling <coughs> ponds where it settles out more in the first one, goes to the second one, settles out more from there, and then it's discharged into the Trout Creek. So when you monitor the discharges, you're monitoring them for? For sediments and any oils or contamination, okay. uh, <coughs> anything that would be not in compliance with, right. with CDPHE's regulations. Yep. But there must be a fair amount of infiltration then if you're pumping that much. Yeah, I mean, we're 30 foot below the ground level. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. and, and uh, the, the water with our cutoffs, you know, we slow that down to where we can maintain a, a groundwater level, but you're never going to stop it. Um, it. It's just too much pressure at that depth. The water finds, there's little holes everywhere, and, sure. and in a wet pit in the river bottom, you'll never, you'll never see it completely. 
but you can slow it way down to where it's manageable. Mm -hmm. Another thing that we've found over the last 19 years uh, doing it, what, what we've learned how to do is, is we kind of mine and, and take care of our stockpiling and our mining in the wintertime when the trees are dormant. And then by the time spring rolls around, we just let it reflood. Uh, we're I mean, we build our cutoff walls where we need to, but but then we don't mine anymore when when the trees are active. We mine when they're dormant. Um, so that would be from late October, early November, through you know March, April time frame. Uh, when we try, when we would try to do our mining and our extraction when the water levels are down, and then and then we just let the groundwater come back up. Is there material below the water levels yet? Excuse me. Is there material still below the water level yet, or do you do water completely down? We have to do, we have to uh, dewater completely down. Okay. Questions for staff and or the petitioner. Can, can you re, restate the modification to 17? Because I'm confused. Look at, look at current 39. Current 39. So the only thing that is changing is the removal of the language requiring bi-weekly right. groundwater monitoring and then submission of that data on a monthly basis. And that does not conflict with um, CPW? Uh, it does not, no. I guess that's where my confusion was. If I read Mr. Middledorf's recommendations... So it, it is. It is a little confusing. But on page two, second paragraph, right, of CPW's letter, on the second letter, the second line, I'm going to start right after the comma. CPW does believe that an amendment to specific condition number 17 is appropriate to provide relief for precision precision excavating while maintaining monitoring conditions. It is CPW's recommendation, recommendation that condition number 17 retain the following aspects. The 100-foot setback from cottonwoods and willows, maintaining the groundwater level at the seasonal baseline level. So stop right there. They're just saying maintain the level, but they're not saying maintain it through the monitoring wells monitoring. Uh... <clears throat> No, it's just saying okay. that I'm, the baseline level should that's be maintained. Fine. But I then it also goes on to say, take corrective action when monitoring well show groundwater level decrease so, 12 to 18 So inches. you're still running the monitoring wells? They just don't have to monitoring as often and supply yeah, that it. data. Okay. And the justification for... Uh, Allowing or suggesting that it be removed is that, except for that small area, mining hasn't taken place in that area. So there hasn't been, the, the impacts aren't as close to that vegetation, right. which would require this. You cleared up my confusion. Okay. So in the 
Cottonwood Health Monitoring Program, is there an interval? I mean, if we're deleting the one up above, but, but there still are the standards in CBW that need to be maintained or should be maintained. How do we know? I think I'm missing something. Take, take right of action and monitoring the local water level decrease on the so how how would that come to Dave or our attention? Isn't that under forty that they have to annually do the ground levels shall be submitted annually? But then that horse is out of the barn. Well, I was slightly. If I might interject there, Chad, I'm not absolutely sure, Alan. But I was the way I read that, or the way I understood that was. That would give us some relief because we've shown, and because we're not mining in that area, you know, it's just stayed the same for 10 years. Because right. we've been in the other side for 10 years, and we'll probably be there for another 10 years on the other side. So, uh, number one, we would notify the planning department if we did change in mine there, so that, that would reinstate it. But then number two, I'm not sure that I'm relieved from Kelly's reports. So I believe Western Bionomics would be your trigger. If I, I still think I have to employ him to give us a yearly uh, health and vigor okay. uh, of the sand and the vegetation. I, I don't think we're, we're just trying to not have to send a person out there every two weeks and measure all those wells and do all the reporting when it hasn't changed for the last 10 years. And the stand is, you know, what it is. But I think Kelly would be the trigger, if I understand it right. I still have to have him do the, the yearly monitoring, and then he would pick up if something was going south. Okay. So I, I, I think I understand that, Dave. But in the CPW bullets and in the bottom of that condition, if the monitoring wells show a groundwater level decrease under cotton under the cottonwoods of 12 to 18 inches, that stays. But how do we know that there's been a decrease? Doesn't it say right here now in the recommendation that reduce it to seasonally? So you, you still would have seasonally monitoring of the groundwater level, right? That's, that's what it says, I think. Reduce biweekly reporting to season. So, Chad, to answer your question, yeah, there'll still be some checks and balances, but it's just. Like, Maybe it's you don't have to go out there every two weeks. There's a difference between monitoring and reporting. Well, you can't report it if you don't monitor. No, okay. You can monitor it kind of clear things up, yeah, that it's in the CBW letter, but it just hasn't materialized in this condition yet, so that's oh. something that we can talk about. Okay, and, and I, I think that clarifies things for me. So, what so what's the clarification? Yeah. Reduce to the frequency. Whatever the, the applicant is requesting, don't do it, and we're saying... Well, I guess one thing that might clarify, instead of striking like that second line up there, Peruvia shall take bi-weekly, according to CBW's letter, reduce bi-weekly to seasonally. Yeah, exactly. So, so I'd say maybe leave that line, or at least part of that line. Of the last sentence? Uh, no, second, second, second line, second, we'll second. get on the screen. Okay. Yeah. 
permit ye shall seasonally shall undertake seasonally groundwater monitoring program program as recommended by CPW. How how frequent is seasonal? Yeah, <laughs> it's, what is that? Mean? Yeah, I would say somewhere oh, four times a year. Quarterly might be better. I would. Well, I wouldn't know. You want to monitor in season. Quarterly is not going to help you do it. Uh, I mean, any relief we can get would help us. I mean, you walked uh, in here thinking you had none, so yeah. Right. I I, yeah. <laughs> Again, I guess in, in my mind, I was thinking Western Biome, as long as we weren't mining there, we've proven that it stays within the. 12 to 18 over the last 10 years. So, so in my mind, I, what I was thinking the, the trigger would be, or the, we we kind of proved that that groundwater drops. It drops due to mining, and so obviously that would trigger the monitoring again if we start mining next to that stand. But because of the history and because of the reporting that we've done. To me, in my mind, it's stable. It's, it's it's where it needs to be because we're not we're not mining next to it. So a trigger in my mind was Kelly looking at the vegetation that he does yearly, and if all of a sudden he's got five trees dying that were healthy last year, or grass that's turning brown, or willows that are turning brown. Then he that triggers. Whoops, something's wrong. You know, which which I don't. I mean, I don't see because we proved it for the last ten years. Not to repeat myself too much, but anyway, I thought that would be a trigger. Because what we'll do in this case would be we'll go out there and it'll still be at the same elevation that we've documented. The only thing that's going to change that. Is is I don't know unless the something changes with the Yamper River, which it's not going to, or we go in there and start mining in that hundred foot area. That will change that water level, which we know. When Kelly does do that monitoring, or the annual one, would yes. they specifically look at that so that it could be one of your four if we wanted to go seasonally? Would that be? Probably how you would do that, and so you would only have to self do it if we would do it seasonally three times. Yeah, Kelly, uh, he looks once a year, okay. but I can do it quarterly. I mean, that still is is relief to us. Okay. So I'm not, I, you know, I mean, uh, that's fine too. Uh, uh, just to know that, just to know that it's not changing, and I don't want it to change either. I mean, that's part of our. Part of our special use permits. So. so, if I put words in your mouth, that we do, we could interpret seasonal being once four times a year, once a quarter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In the winter time, actually, don't even do that. I wouldn't even do it because the the, the wells are the, the trees are dormant, everything's frozen, and the wells are covered with two feet of snow. That you know to dig to and to so what do you think? What what would you consider to be representative? Probably representative would be uh, spring, summer, fall. Yes, and in May actually the groundwater table is high because the river's very high, so everything goes up with the with the spring runoff. So so really it's probably late June to October. You know because October the trees are starting to turn and starting to go dormant again. 
sometime in, in October. So from, say, July 1 to October 31st really is when the trees need to need that water table uh, to not be messed with. So that's uh, two quarters, right? Uh, not quite, actually. Three only four months. If you had a drive, if you had a low snow year, wouldn't you want to go earlier than July 1? Yeah, that's only four months. Um, June 1? But those are the critical, in, in northwest Colorado, you know, at the elevation we are and with the growing season that we have, those are the critical months for the for the vegetation. And June 1. started May. September 1, or June 1, August 1, and September 1. Yeah. October 1, I think, too late. And we'll bounce that off CPD yeah. for, for PCC here. Tell them that's how we interpret it seasonally. Okay. Gotcha. So you said July or June? June 1. June 1. Yeah. July 1. June 1, August 1, October 1? No, I had September 1. In permit. That like seems a little more like you've got some spacing in there. June 1, August 1, September 1 is what I had said. September 1? I know that's what I said. That's what you said. Oh, August, yeah. September, okay. yeah, yeah, August, September. October. Yeah. Yeah. October is too late. I mean, to, it's not October 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fall water is important. Just saying. They're going to argue it out with staff, but that's our recommendation. Okay. We're not even saying a date. Yeah, we gave them the dates. Those are recommendations. Okay. And, like and they didn't see PW can right. is this adjust you, accordingly. Is this what you mean by seasonally? Yeah. 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 Get that yeah. Before. Okay. Okay. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I don't like the dates. <laughs> They're too That's erratic. <sighs> Let them worry about it. I get Let them worry about it. Uh, other questions for the petitioner and or staff again? Roberta. No. <laughs> ah, Roberta. No. I got it open up to the public. That'd be next. Anyone from the public wish to address the commissioners? He's shaking his head yes or no. No, I'm good. He's good. It's fine. Close the public portion. Back to again. Questions from commissioners to the petitioner and or staff. I have a couple. Can you turn to the, um, the aerial, Alan, that shows the entire project space <coughs> are you drawing from your background and your expertise I'm just curious I want to make sure I know what I was looking at yeah kind of this one or this no, one no there, there you go so that which is I guess is that west of Trout Creek yeah north is to the right north is to the right so be west southwest Okay, so all that brown area is that reserves or is that behind? Yes. No, that's, that's all reserves. That's all reserves. Okay, second question. You contribute three cents a ton to who? Route County planning. But I think it goes to who? Yeah. 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 Man. 
Rundbridge. But I, I want, we, we want some better funding, plan, right? I don't know where we we mail it to Route Town. <laughs> <laughs> so over the last ten years, it was twenty seven thousand dollars, give or take. Yes. Do they ever tell you what they're doing with it? Yes. Oh. They uh, they spent it this year on the overlay that they did from the intersection to Milner where where we'd rebuilt the bypass around Milner. Uh, they used it on an overlay of that section up to where the pavement ends. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. You're looking at historic tonnage. Well, I'm just well, it's three cents a ton, so you take the tons times three cents. You know, so yeah, yeah. I just was curious to know what the number was. Number one, number two. What do they do with it? Yeah, it would be it, it, at the maximum. It would be twenty five thousand a year at eight hundred and fifty thousand. My history as an operator tells me that typically those dollars go off and never, never land. You never see them. That's why I asked the question. That's Illinois. This is Rock County. Yeah, I'm sorry. You said my history. They go to the planning department. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah, I do. Uh, in terms of the floodplain mapping, um, so we didn't have it originally. We got some new stuff in 09. Does the 09 stuff have anything to do with what they're doing now? I mean, does it show any of this stuff? Are there any impacts from mapping? I'm not following. Well, there's. You said something about they needed to get a permit because they're in the floodplain. Uh huh. And so I'm saying, does the information that we now have, does that have any impact? They have to get a permit. I got that part. But when they get the permit, does that show any impacts on the mining? Does it show any impacts on the mining? Well, you know, why do we want it if the question, if, you understand my question? It's law. Right. I mean, that, I, that part I got. But I'm so, just curious if, yeah. So the, the floodplain development permit would be used to determine if there were any changes in the hydraulic and hydrologic conditions of the floodplain in this area. It would uh, show if there's any increase from flood risk to properties upstream and downstream. And any new mapping would map the resultant risk from the change of the, the landscape in the floodplain. Yeah, I think that's pretty obvious. I guess my question is, if we've seen that, are there any impacts? I mean, the I don't know. Show, the, the mapping will show changes. That's what you're saying. The, the, study, the studies haven't been done. And that's, oh, I thought there was, there was that's, a new one in 2009. Well, no, it was in 2005 that the... So in 2005... Or in 1989 was when the county adopted their first uh, floodplain development maps. And it stopped, the mapping stopped about, I think it like went right through the pit, maybe like right there. And then the pit was permitted in 2001. And then in 2005, the everything downstream and all the way to, I think it's all the way to the canyon before you get to Hayden got mapped. And so since this was mapped in 2009 and a floodplain development permit wasn't required then, there was no analysis of risk or change to the floodplain or anything like that. So that's what this, this permit will do. That would be the, I don't want to go too far with this particular setting, but that's clear that requirement-wise, since it wasn't before 209, then it's okay, but the commission could make a recommendation that the new maps 
give us IOA to see if the new flood plain limits impact the mining operation. I guess I'm not clear. My question is, does the existing flood plain map, the latest flood plain map, show any impacts on this mining plan? I think that's really simple. Maybe I'm missing something. Does the new flood plain study show impacts to this pit? Yeah. That's the simple, that's my only question. I didn't mean to make a big deal out of it. No, because the flood plain maps are, it's a complicated process with a lot of assumptions that go into a computer model that then spits out a result. And since this pit wasn't there when they were doing that mapping, there was no way to take into account whether this new mapping would affect the pit. Does general condition number four on page seven help you? What number is that from? Four. The standard, any complaints or concerns or issues can review the permit. Does that include what you are concerned about? No. I thought that you need to identify what it is we were trying to do here. Well, I think his question is. Yeah, where are we going to go? Does the flood plain as it exists today even impact them at all? Exactly. That's a simple question. I don't want to yield to the petitioner. Do you know where the flood plain stops and starts along there? No, I don't. I remember we visited it in 2001, but that was a long time ago. And I remember bits and pieces of the meeting. And then we had a, and I don't remember the gentleman's name that was helping us with the water and the flood plain. And he was out of Carbondale. Paul Currier? Paul Currier. Yeah. And he commented on that. And the only thing that I do know is since 2019, or I mean, from 2019 to 2001, 19, 20 years ago, we haven't, there's been some high water events, but they haven't, the new, the, our mine across Trout Creek, southwest of Trout Creek, that all stays high and dry. No matter what, the Yamper River has come up into the cottonwood trees a little bit in this area at its absolute highest. And then what we did from that time frame at the absolute highest was a little two foot to three foot berm right in this area, just so the trickle wouldn't run in and cause us more sediment and stormwater management when the river was running high. But that was one time in the last 20 years. Now, I know that that doesn't mean, I mean, I guess there could always be something different, but as a lay person managing the pit and paying attention to it, we haven't had any issues with flooding or high water 
17C address that on page 8, that there's a stormwater management plan. Yeah, that's different from the floodplain. Different from the floodplain? Yeah. And I guess, Alan, don't mind me interjecting. My interpretation was they didn't. You were going to ask them to get a floodplain development permit? They have to. Right. Okay. So that kind of addresses my concern. Yeah, you'll find out. I mean, we'll find if there's an impact, we'll find out then. So I, I guess I, yeah, that well, kind of takes care of the issue. Okay. Issue. They got a good permit, one. Thank you. Any other questions? Yeah. Did Bay uh, Hills include Milner? Uh, it did not. Saddle Mountain Ranch. Did not no. What was your question? APOs. So, oh, Alan, I knew it. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, you answered my question, but I guess where does it say that in the condition that they have fifty-two A page thirteen? Fifty-two A page thirteen. <coughs> <coughs> Under air and water quality. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> A good question. And then confirm for me the, the specific conditions. Never mind. So never mind. What was the basis for not notifying the neighbors? I mean, is it just proximity? It, the regulations require adjacent property owners that border the that border the property. The, the poster was placed on the entrance, and Bigelad was put in place as well. I just remember, it must have been 2001, there was a significant difference between the audience then oh, yeah. no, and the audience tonight. <laughs> but isn't that always true? Thank you. Well, we, work, we work very hard at our <laughs> conditions and what we're doing. And, and that was kind of my comment that uh, something must be going right because that room full of people that was there in 2001 weren't necessarily excited <laughs> about having the event. <laughs> well, since we're kind of impromptu here, if I may, one thing that the community is like, it's Saddle Mountain included in that, is the bypass road. Nobody has to go through Miller. Miller likes that, and the other people they get Highway 40. It's amazing how that works. <laughs> and between Ed and myself, I mean, we we work pretty hard at, at helping the community. I mean, you know, uh, they've got a nice close gravel source. They've got loaders when they get in the pinch and need a bowl, and they've got. You know, they'll come in and find this or that and try to do this or that. And, uh, you know, we are trying to to work with, with the community, you know, not... The problem is when you start those operations, they don't know that. Well, I know. Well, yeah, you're right. That's right. Education comes with Yeah, it comes with uh, yeah, time. Much. Once again, well, I've had the pleasure of picking up gravel I think it's at this bit, and it's professionally run, it's yes. professionally staffed, and um, I think anything we can do to support the applicant will be um, well served. It's a testament to their operation that there's nobody here. I can 
That's what happens when you're a good grammar. Yeah, and a good county too. All right. Um, enough of the petty shaming back. <laughs> Any other questions for either the petitioner or staff? Hearing none, Chair, I'll entertain a motion. Keeping in mind, there was one small adjustment. And Steve, sir, I've got. I would just like to show you that language. If I can figure out, there we go. Right. And so that's the the change to the language of number seventeen. So permittee shall monitor groundwater monitoring wells on June 1st, August 1st, and September 1st and submit data to the planning department? Yep, that's what we said. That was our recommendation. And then Chad suggested one change to number 40 to so that it's clear which groundwater monitoring program is being referenced and that was the one that was from PP 2009-006. And did you not change some words in one other one? Chad, I thought you did. No. And maybe I'm confused. Maybe this is always this topic. It was a blue line. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. So, with those two um, changes to the conditions, um, Chair will entertain a motion. Did anybody make a motion? I'll make a motion. Roberto, you're perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Roberto. If I could find what it. Uh, I'll make a motion to approve PL19194. Sorry, I'm not prepared. With uh, general let's see, where are findings of fact. You can't Page follow. five. Oh, Page six. Six. No worry. I don't Six. Thank you. Findings of fact one through four and conditions one, well, I guess two. Sixty-one as amended. I think that's right. Yep. Oh. Sit. Second. Thank you, Craig. So we have a motion and a second. Any discussion on the motion? Yeah, isn't there a typo under 55? Trucks entering County Road 179 versus 178. Oh, yeah. Okay. Roberta, I'm assuming you'll accept that little. I will accept that. Perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Eagle eyes. <laughs> That is 178 off of Whitewater Road. Well, it gets to the intersection of the railroad tracks, then it goes to 179. Whoa. 179 comes out of the. But stops at the bridge? Stops at the intersection. It's 178. I think he was saying stops at the intersection. Is that correct? 178. 178 from the highway. 
so right here, 178 is this right, this stretch right here, hmm. and then 179 goes into Milner. Uh huh. Wait, are you looking at this report? So this year, you... Gotcha, try. Uh, it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 178. 178 yeah. is correct. Where's the aerial? This is your aerial. Uh, just, just had it Sorry, right there. So there it is. So 178 is this stretch right here. Okay. And 179 goes into the middle there. Yeah, but are we talking about? Well, no, but it's trucks entering County Road 178 from U.S. Highway 4 Milner. Mm -hmm. It's just <laughs> 178, so, yeah. 40 to 178. So it's 178. Okay. Hmm. So I guess he can use Jake brakes on 179. What is this? Is this the 21? My, my bad. Sorry. Thank you, Ed. Uh, no correction. No, that's... We got it. Yeah, that's good. Oak Creek. It's over here. Anyway. So we have a motion and a second... With no changes. 178 stays. Well, with those two. Any discussion on the motion? Hearing none, all those in favor, please signify by saying yes. 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 Opposed, saying no. Chair votes yes. Motion carries. Approved. I'm sorry? Recommendation. Recommendation, you're right. I'm sorry. Well, the motion was written. But the motion carries. Carries. You're getting technical. I know. Damn kids. Damn kids. That's it. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good evening. Have a good night. More than two employees? Oh, I'm sure they sort of follows yeah, All right. All right. Is that right? Yeah. What makes it the best? I don't the consistency, the the lights are on. And no one is still on this He looked at me once or he said go. So this is when? The 30th of January. Yes. That doesn't permit If there's a corn. Well, we might be able to just take the notes. Okay. 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 Um, and so, let's see, on the 6th, first regular schedule of February, uh, we've got... Uh, big one, all trip. Vehicle storage, a home industry SUP. That'll be in front, and uh, that was the rescheduled date for the Carpenter Ranch. 
That's not a regular night, but I'll go over the master plan publication outside of this uh, when I'm done here. Uh, 20th is the next meeting after that. Uh, Lucky 8 Ranch, which was tabled today, uh, will be back in front of you guys. The, uh, it's been a couple months, but uh, since you guys laid in on the recreational facilities and residential care centers, and uh, those will be both in front of you for a recommendation for adoption. On the 20th, uh, 5th of March. Hold on, don't you have uh, um, 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 the tower on the 20th? Yeah, the Verizon Tower in Europe. <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Zirkel Tower. And, and <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, it, it must just go off the page. Sorry, good uh, comment. My blocks are really small. Uh, March. First is a um, so what we're trying to have is a joint meeting with the Board of County Commissioners uh, for a debrief on master plan initial community outreach um, because the um, our most of our out outreach meetings you know trying to get people informed motivated and to get them to take our community survey closes on the 14th of February. So that would give us a couple weeks to compile the data that we've all received, report back to you guys with uh, with that compilation, and um, get some comments about moving forward. Is that on the Sunday then? You don't mean March 1st. March 1st? You mean March 5th. 5th. The first meeting in March, the 5th. Ah, okay. Yes. Right, and that's all that's scheduled there. But I do have. Because you turn it out a couple of uh, maps will give to you. Basically, this is what we have scheduled so far for the master plan outreach initial engagement. And yeah. So, did you already do Silver Spear? How'd it go? Uh, it went all right. It was, uh, I didn't have the, even the light dog and pony show that, that night, it was just me talking. And it was the last item on the agenda after their discussion of that new school site. Right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, right. Everybody was there. So, right. Yeah, yeah, there were 30 people there. You know, so I handed out a lot of the little cards and then, and, uh, and just encourage everybody to take the survey. You know, and one of the messages that I'm trying to get across is, you know, that pay attention to the plan. You know, because really, the when there's a land use application, you know, that and if you're opposed to it or in support of it, you know, it might be too late because we're going to raise off the plan performance for the most part. So show up at the planning stage early on to voice your opinion on development. All right. Um, so. Looking at this calendar, um, <coughs> there are two set, two types of meetings that are on here. One of them are that they are our community meetings. They would either be planning commission or just you know county staff or a mix of both of those out into the community. So, and, and then the other meetings are basically where we are on somebody else's agenda. We come to speak to a smaller group like. 
the Silver Spur HOA. Um, that one on the 14th, that was actually Board of County Commissioners. I mean, they're doing um, some outreach on their own where they have got some ideas, but it's mainly just checking in with the communities outside of Steamboat and telling them what's going on uh, countywide and in their communities. Uh, so the, the 22nd, um, obviously, that's one of the stakeholder meetings. So, Chad, yes, on that meeting, is there anything that was discussed with the board concerning the master plan? The planning board? Oh, in, in Hayden? Um, I'll, I'll fill in on what said. That they, remember when we had our, our roadshow meetings a couple of years ago? Yep. It was probably the same attendance. Different faces, but there are about six, seven people there. I think probably more the same amount of county people as citizens. So about the same same number of people. Uh, the commissioners each had their list of things they were going to talk about. Bell Melton is the one that spoke about the master plan and I think she gave a really good summary of what we're doing and a little bit about where we go from here. And um, that was really about it. I mean they had a fair number of things to talk about, but she probably spoke our master plan for Four or five minutes, you know, just uh, a little bit about what it is, you know, what it's done, where we're going, and, and the website, you know, check in with the, pro on the process. So it was, it was mainly, I would say, lacking on detail except for the update process. I think that's what she was And then comments from the community, you know, there was one woman that spoke up after that. They had a list of things that she would like to see, and there were some land use items on there, but you know, it was like things like climate change and pesticides and chemicals and bug spray, and there were some things like that that came up. So, you know, all that got written down. I, I believe there were at least many meeting notes, if not minutes, because uh, Kendra and Deanna were there, and so. Um, I'm just concerned that the board hears, I, I'm just concerned that the board hears something from the the outrage uh -huh. that we get blindsided by. Yeah. Well, I. This is the only one of those meetings that takes place during our initial outreach. The other ones are scheduled later on in the year. I think April is the next one. I don't know if it's north or south route. But uh, me or one of the staff members would be there. So, you know, thanks for bringing that up. We'll report back to you. I'm I just don't want to get blindsided in, in some sort of a discussion with the board. The board's sitting there blowing their neck saying, this is what we heard, and we didn't hear it. Okay. Well, tell you what, if, if something comes up in the audience, there's really nothing on the, on the 14th. But uh, when the minutes are available, we'll forward those to you. Thank you. Right. Thank that works. Good comment. Uh, on to February. Uh, I'll just cover the, you know, our meetings. Um, on the 5th, community engagement with AMPA. On the 10th, we're up north at Steamboat Lake State Park. Uh, 13th, uh, we're at Hayden. And um, that following day is when uh, the public outreach begins. Um, we still have, let's see, Christy's, <laughs> Christy sent out I believe it's part of an email blast working with our, our communications consultants. About 150 emails, and 
that's all the scheduling that we have. I mean, it, it, it seems to grow every day or two, you know, especially as we see some, you know, of the agencies that we've contacted that we think, well, they should want to check in with us, you know, and so we're starting to make individual phone calls now, you know, or, or you know, a, a email that's not, you know, a part of the email class because some of those could be caught up in spam filters, you know, we don't know. So, and it was also during the holidays that we sent that last time. So there'll be a second class going at you tomorrow or early next week with the you know pretty aggressive follow-up because we've got a month now to get these meetings wrapped up um, between now and, and the time that the uh, initial survey closes. I would still like to see us spend some of that money on an ad in the local newspaper. Yeah, it, 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 it will be. Because like I said, we don't have the, the county page anymore. So we'll be going back to blockheads. When is Carpenter Ranch back up again? I'm sorry. When? The 6th. Is it the 6th? I leave the storage. That doesn't matter. February 6th. So, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so on the 11th, we're going to go to the Carpenter Ranch for an outreach <laughs> Christy brought that up and I said, is that, you know, is, that is, is, is there a condition of approval? So yeah, I, I, I that's what they proposed and I told Christy only if we can be sure that it's not a violation. So. And do you have reason to believe we'll actually see them on the 6th? Yes, I do. I mean, we've got high, high hopes for this one. Okay. Definitely. And, and, if, and if, I'll tell you what, if they don't follow through with the direction that they presented last time we spoke with them, they're going to be here regardless. But if their approach is the same, it will be more of an enforcement case than uh, an amendment to the government. Yep. Got it. All right. Okay. Survey results. Um, so we, we haven't really tabulated those, and we're not really releasing any information. But I can tell you that our, I think we discussed this last time, that our target minimum is 2% of the population, or 500. And we've, it, we're at 470-something. Uh, 470, yeah, one or something, um, before we've even had these outreach meetings. Did you serve? So I'm sure we'll hit that minimum, and hopefully increase that by 100 or two. So, so far, so good. What? They're on the list. So, yeah, that, that's one of those individual groups that I will send a, a specific email to. Right, because we're not sure that the blast got so, yeah. Okay. keys. Okay. And, and in your, your um, this list that we're working off of um, is the last page in that master plan update project plan. And again, if you guys know of anybody in the organization that you think is not on here that should be, call Christy and she will send them an invitation as well. Okay. Okay. I think that's that's it. So we are adjourned. Carpenter Ranch is That's what I wrote down. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.